Welcome to the Space Bar Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Casey. And this episode, we're going to be talking all about the state of e-commerce on the web. So we've got a report where we've basically been looking at how websites are built, how they perform, what technologies they're using, and other common technologies that are plugged into those kind of e-commerce technologies overall. Um, we've got two guests here today, um, Tom Robertshaw, the Innovation Director at Space48, who's the author of the report. Um, and then we've also got Rocky Nebwani, who's an e-commerce consultant. Um, Rocky, for, are you okay to introduce yourself just for the people who are listening to the podcast? Um, I think a lot of people would have heard Tom before, who Tom is and what his role is in the agency. But um, is it okay for you to just give a quick introduction to yourself and your experience? Yeah, sure, Paul. Uh, glad to be here, guys, uh, with you to discuss this, this report. Uh, as you said, I'm an e-commerce uh, consultant, practitioner, uh, working in this industry from last 20 years. Uh, the first five years uh, I spent in the US working for Amazon. And then uh, last 12, 13 years I'm based in the UK. I work in primarily in the enterprise space and, and, and I work in all kinds of areas. Web performance actually uh, something which excited me. And, and I got to this team who, who work on this project every year. Uh, and I got close to that team around 2019 in, when I attended a Performance Now conference in Netherlands. And, and since then, I be- became a close member of the community. Uh, Rick Viscomi, who leads this project, uh, asked me to uh, author the chapter last year. So I actually authored the last year chapter. And this year, uh, Tom did that. And I, I took the role of reviewer uh, this year. So it's a team effort by, by a team. And, and personally, yeah, uh, I'm active in the uh, e-commerce retail space and primarily in the enterprise space on the uh, uh, small scale side. My wife runs a side business on Shopify. So I play with that. Uh, and, uh, and that's how I keep up to speed with the, with the SMB sector. Well, thank you, Rocky. Good to have you on the good to have you on the Spacebar podcast. Um, Tom, so do you want to tell us all about the Web Almanac report for anybody that doesn't know what it is? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, state of the web um, is kind of the best description of it, as you started out um, by the sort of open source um, initiative HTTP Archive, which is kind of set out with a mission to understand how, how the web is built and keep track of it, much like how the Internet Archive, you might have used the Wayback Machine to understand and kind of take a snapshot of the web kind of each day and each, each month. Um, the kind of Web Almanac is a yearly report which looks into how every website is built. I say every, you know, it's, it's a large number of websites, but it, it will go into a little bit later in terms of some of the limitations. But um, it will look at and has looked at about 8 million um, websites in kind of the most recent report, um, both from a mobile and a desktop perspective to understand what technologies are in play. Um, and then there are multiple chapters to this report. So kind of the idea being that there's, um, we, we talked about the e-commerce chapter, but there's an SEO chapter, JavaScript, performance, accessibility so that you can um, kind of industry experts can dive in um kind of get a huge breadth of of data um but then add that sort of um explanation on on top from their experience why certain things might be being seen trends in the 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 industry and certainly when i heard about it kind of only only this year it wasn't something i was previously familiar with but i've always loved the, the idea of understanding a bit more about how um, kind of what's popular in the space, what what trends are um, are going on, um, and so when I heard about that, I kind of wanted to get get involved and kind of contribute back to 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 this initiative. Um, so that's kind of where it's it started out. Um, um, Rocket, did you want to share a bit more about the the methodology? I know I've mentioned the number of of sites, um, but I know that you have spent an awful lot of time um, in kind of working through the the methodology and, and acted as an analyst last year. So I think it'd be good to dive a little bit deep into into that. Yeah, sure, sure, we can do that. Yeah. So uh, I think uh, the way it, it, first of all, this is third edition. So what Tom actually did, this was his third year. The second year uh, was done by me, and the and the first very first edition uh, was done by uh, Alan uh, and uh, uh, from the Google actually. And every year the, you will see the new dimension being covered in 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 the report because we have more and more data available. So at the very basic level, the way that it works is that the uh, I think audience of this podcast are possibly familiar with uh, Crux. So the crux is the data which Google provides every month, second Tuesday of the month, uh, typically they publish this data. Uh, uh, and this uh, crux data is also available in a BigQuery. Uh, so how, first of all, how the crux data is collected. So when you when any any Chrome user is browsing, they basically say, accept some terms and condition. And the terms and condition means that the, uh, they, they agree to sync their uh, browser history. Uh, they agree to share some stats with Google. 
and and based on uh, whoever agrees whatever percentage of population agrees to share the data google actually anonymize that data and and collect some performance based uh, uh, metrics around that and and that's what the number of the 8 million is so if the very if if the site does not have a lot of traffic or or the not many people have agreed to share the data then the data may not be very very useful so google just filters the data uh, see where there is a statistical significance and comes up with a list of domain or what we call as an origin uh think of as each origin just as a one site or subdomain if you have multiple domains in the in the context of international and and for whatever reason your business may need that right uh so that's where the, the initial list of 8 million domains come and then uh, uh that's provided by google anybody can consume the data and 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 then every month the http archive team does a crawl uh, and we crawl basically both desktop and the mobile version of the website and and store all of that data in 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 bigquery and 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 uh, this data is basically is a monthly crawl but once in a year uh, we get together uh, different members of the community and different expert and try to analyze and 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 basically summarize some some interesting uh, takeaway from the data so that's the, at the top level we also use another technology in between called webalizer uh now not many f- people with familiar with webalizer but lot of people in the industry would have heard something called built with so it's a way to identify technologies being used on a particular page and that's what we use to detect things like what e-commerce platform a particular site may be using so with a combination within that crawl uh, of monthly crawl we call webalizer apis to identify the technologies being used and 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 that's another another part of the equation and combine everything uh we we publish this report once a year typically in december uh, so that that's how it works storm at the very simply yeah yeah brilliant um and a couple of the tools i know are involved that is kind of worth mentioning for those that are familiar to um tools that are used to understand the performance of the site so web page speed test um google lighthouse um and that that crux data as you say means that we get information kind of real world information about how a website is performing um from a core web vitals um, perspective which i appreciate has been a hot topic over over the last year um so all that come together we're then you know the summary of the report is that we're able to look at kind of how many websites on the internet are e-commerce or have e-commerce functionality when it's it's roughly 20% um of that 8 million um have e-commerce functionality um and then we can break that down by by platform so we've looked into things like performance uh, so that's something that we'll go into a bit further in in this uh, episode um performance by platform and then perhaps also um as Robbie said we're kind of still in the early phases of of uh, this yearly process but um as more and more technologies can be detected we actually can start to build a bigger picture of for each platform what technologies are used like for reviews or other user generated content or personalization and ab testing so you know we're starting to see that data it wasn't kind of kind of complete there wasn't a complete enough picture to be able to talk about that in this year's report um but i'm excited to see kind of what how well, where this can go um and i love the idea that it's you know available for for anyone to be able to kind of dive in and kind of repeat the tests as well as create their their own as well um so i guess that's that's the the high level i appreciate there's a lot of um, back story to to how we've got here um and happy now to kind of share some of the statistics that we've we found um i think one of the things that i'm i've thought a lot about while writing the report, report is why is this interesting to you say if you're an e-commerce manager um and i think why i find it interesting is to kind of set the context and the the, the background for what's happening uh, at the kind of industry level um to understand kind of where you if you're managing a site where it fits in it um so you might have a particular performance issue that you're looking to to tackle um you know where is 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 it just my, is it just me or is it everybody on on this platform um uh, and we can kind of go into more that it's you know not the, the platform itself isn't the be all and end all um but i think it's useful to kind of see the trends in technologies um as well as be able to benchmark your your own business so i think that's why i i say it's important um, yeah, but- I think as well, Tom. Just to add to that, I think when a lot of people who be listening to this who work in the e-commerce industry, generally speaking, they'll be looking at themselves or the competitors that sit directly in their market, and they might they might not necessarily look at a macro level, you know, platforms performance. Uh, you know, we're going to touch on things like the impact of COVID nineteen and, and some other areas as well. What that's actually going to enable us to do in this podcast is basically give 
an overview of, of some of the data, but instead of just regurgitating the actual report itself, we want to give some key takeaways and some things that people can take away on this podcast episode as well. So I think, should we, should we jump into, first and foremost, the, like the first section, which is all about the most popular, um, or sorry, the top e-commerce platforms? Because I thought this was fascinating. It's something that obviously working in e-commerce, it is something that I am aware of a lot of these different uh, platforms, but I think there are certainly, uh, you know, some things in there that, that are quite interesting to take away. Yeah, Paul, Rocky, I, you I, yeah, Paul, I think before we go into jump into the section, maybe it's worth uh, mentioning uh, a couple of limitations also. I talked about the methodology, but didn't talk about the limitations, right? I think it's important to, to just clarify that. Uh, there are. I, I'm not going to go in every limitation here, but a couple of limitations which are, uh, I think, quite important. So, very first one is the scroll, which I talked about monthly crawl. This happens from US because of the resource constraint. We can't crawl sites from every other geographies, and 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 the data will be too much. Uh, which means that the if you have different version of the website, uh, the crawl is going to see the US version, and that may give you slightly different result. For example. A business may be showing a cookie winner in the EU, but not in the US. Uh, and in that case, we will not detect that technology in the US version of the crawl. So things like that can differ from because of the scroll nature of the crawl, and also because the resource constraint. Currently, we only crawl the home page, uh, which is a significant limitation. We are aware of that because on the e-commerce, sometimes certain set of technologies will be only used on on a product page or on a listing page or in the checkout. Right now. Uh, that's a limitation which the team is trying to resolve for the future editions, uh, considering basically require significant resources. Uh, but with the advent of a single page applications, sometime even if you crawl the home page, you actually get to see all the technologies because everything get loaded in in the beginning, right? So uh, even with the home page crawl, we see a lot of actually insights. Uh, so the Tom talked about what can we cover in future. So one thing which we cover cover in future for something like users of buy now pay later technologies now typically that will be used on a product page but in the crawl we still see on the home page because a lot of scripts can still get loaded so so i think this, this these two limitations i think keep in mind uh, the future future edition of uh, of of web almanac will will try to resolve these things if possible uh, but now we can jump into the top e-commerce platforms uh, uh, paul yeah so shall we shall we jump yeah absolutely yeah. So uh, one of the thing I think the uh, the audience who basically uh, read the chapter the, the last edition also one of the big thing you will realize in this year's chapter is the the concept of the crux rank and crux rank is think of it like Alexa rank or uh, basically whatever way a lot of sites will have a panel based uh, traffic thing hitwise or Alexa rank or so the crux rank is basically a rank given by Google based on the traffic. Now this traffic is from the sample which uh, uh, agreed to share the data. Uh, so crux, uh, Google basically has top 10,000, then 100,000 and a million uh, and, and, and 10 million sites basically. They have divided uh, the each site based on the traffic they receive in, 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 in those rank, ra ranking buckets. Now, Typically, top thousand, top top ten thousand will be something like Amazon, Walmart, the the Asda, Tesco in the UK context, a really big big site, right? And then when you go from ten thousand and below, you'll start to see mid tier retailers, and and beyond that, uh, you're gonna possibly see all kind of small Shopify, Wix, that kind of store, right? So when we look at the overall all the site scroll, which is I believe eight million and twenty percent of that eight million being the e-commerce website. What we are seeing is that the WooCommerce is still the leader, being the open source nature of it, and, and, and anybody can use it, and it has been one of the oldest e-commerce platform out there. Uh, so WooCommerce takes 6% share of all e-commerce sites uh, on the mobile. And, and just for the, I think, uh, uh, for the purpose of this, this podcast, we'll always refer mobile stats wherever possible. And, uh, and all the stats we are referring uh, refers to the July 2021 crawl. So uh, we are six months already down the line of things possibly have changed, but WooCommerce had roughly 6% share uh, in July 2021 of all e-commerce uh, sites. The next one was Shopify, which is around 2.8%, and Shopify lead continues to grow. Uh, this whole DTC movement currently happening, which, which, which expedited with the COVID, uh, and everybody's talking about it. So Shopify still has a lot of momentum, and, and we see increased users 
of, of Shopify in, in the overall e-commerce space. Now, just to give an idea, when I said 2.8% of all e-commerce websites are using Shopify, in our crawl, that actually meant uh, roughly 170,000 websites. Now, Shopify has publicly stated that on their platform, they have roughly 1.7 million merchants. Uh, this stats from Shopify were published a few months ago. So you can see, uh, just with a simple math, that roughly 10% of all Shopify websites were in the crawl. So what happens to the remaining 90%? Those 90% were basically didn't have enough traffic and didn't uh, big, didn't qualify for the uh, Google crux, uh, uh, basically data, which, which Google collects, right? So it's not the full data set. It's a, a, a part of it. In some cases, it possibly will be just a 10% of a merchant uh, a, a platform's merchant base. Uh, but in some cases, it can be even 50, 60% when you're talking about the bigger websites and the enterprise of uh, uh, the platforms like Salesforce Commerce Cloud or SAP Commerce Cloud and things like that, right? Uh, so the WooCommerce and Shopify, the two big ones, then there are PrestaShop around at 1%, Magento around at 0.8%, and there's, there are a bunch of other like big commerce and big commerce and things like that, right? Which which you can refer to the whole, 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 whole the chapter. Now, when we looked at that, the we, we tried to see what were the popular platform in, in the top 10,000 websites. And there you actually see uh, likes of uh, Salesforce Commerce Cloud, SAP Commerce Cloud. So I think the SAP Commerce Cloud was the, the top one, if I remember, then the Salesforce Commerce Cloud and the Magento. Uh, and, and one of the things on the enterprise side we saw was that the, the decline of certain platforms like HCL Commerce, which were shifted from IBM to HCL, and, and likes of Oracle Commerce Cloud, right? So there's like old ATG implementation going away. Uh, but in this top 10,000 website, also it's difficult to actually identify a lot of websites, e-commerce platform, because a lot of them tend to be either the headless implementation, so which we can't detect uh, uh, in, 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 in Webalyzer, or uh, there will or custom implementation likes Amazon, Walmart, the very big ones, which which tend to do a bespoke developments uh, of their e-commerce platform, right? So, but but wherever we could detect SAP and Salesforce Commerce Cloud comes at the kind of similar level in terms of the percentage, and then there are Magento's and and, and other platforms, right? In the top hundred thousand, it's the Magento, Shopify, and Salesforce Commerce Cloud, uh, Shopify and WooCommerce and Magento tend to actually feature in all buckets. So they are in top 10,000, they are in top 100,000, they are in top million uh, because of various offering like Shopify has Shopify Plus and, and, and things like that, right? Whereas something like Wix Commerce doesn't feature in top 10,000 at all, uh, whereas it features in the all, right? So it's a big platform, but it, it, in, in the top 10,000 retailers, nobody's using Wix Commerce as per the number we saw, which is explanatory, right? Uh, because they don't focus on that segment, right? So these were, I think, the limitations. Uh, the, sorry, the, uh, these, these were the stats here, the, uh, the key stats. In terms of the limitations, I think, just keep in mind, there's a little bit of a bias here, geographical bias. Uh, we saw, uh, I think if I remember correctly, in the top platform, let me just quickly refer this here. Uh, in, the, in the top uh, platform, most of them are either US or Europe-based. Uh, big commerce, I, I think, uh, started in Australia, but has a headquarter in the US now. We saw, and uh, the number nine and number ten, the platform emerging from different countries. So, Cafe Twenty Four, which I believe is is a platform popular in 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 South Korea, and I know how to pronounce this thing, Loha Integrada. I believe that's the e-commerce platform in in Latin America, which was acquired by Vtex in six seven years ago. Uh, so they they tend to have a lot of sites in in those geographies using these platforms. So even though these platforms are focused on a specific geography, but they still actually uh, 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 in top ten because of the number of sites running on those platform in those geographies. And there can be many more like this in different geographies, uh, which which can pop up in future. For example, uh, I totally expect uh, 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 some platforms to pop up from India. Uh, in this as as the e-commerce matures in, in that part of the world. Uh, but currently, we are not seeing that. Do you think those localized pop-ups of, of new platforms or new technology that come, you know, in these in these individual areas, is, is that um, 
based on demand, local developer preference, payment gateways? You know, are there any specific reasons why we might see some new platforms growing um, and coming into the market? You know, like an like an Indian version of Shopify, yeah, so, you know, like an Indian, Indian SaaS model or something like that. Yeah. So in in based, uh, I think uh, based on my my Indian background. I can give you this uh, flavor of what is happening in India. So India, Shopify is still a very, very uh, popular platform in India. WooCommerce is very, very popular platform in India. So if you see these two in terms of the total number of websites running in India, still actually uh, uh, are the two biggest platform out there. But India is actually seeing a different kind of movement. So in India, the lot of small uh, merchants, what we refer in, in the UK, like a high street shops in India, you refer those as Kirana shops. And, and these, these shop owners do not know the e-commerce. They do not have a desktop. All they have is a uh, not-so-powerful Android phone. So there are platform focus in India, which kind of Shopify kind of platform, but you don't need a desktop. You can build a website just on a mobile. Okay? Uh, and you, you don't even have a custom domain because they don't know how to set up a custom domain. So these, these actually run on, let's say, platform is XYZ. So they will run XYZ.com slash merchant. So, uh, and most of them will have a very simple look and feel. Uh, I, yeah, I, so it's more of a marketplace approach to, yeah. you know, to, to e-commerce and a community approach to e-commerce rather than setting up your own store as an individual. And, and, and the payment infrastructure in India is quite different. For example, on Shopify, you can't use ShopPay in India at the moment. And India has this UPI-based payment and a lot of other payment complexity. If you have a, if you have a subscription kind of business, uh, 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 then the India, Indian rules are very, very different. How do you take subscription payment? And, and this local provider possibly can provide those solutions quickly because they understand what's going on in that market, uh, whereas somebody like Shopify will take some time to catch up on that. I think it's worth saying that there is uh, within the report and a lot of the stats that we're saying here, um, you know, similar to what you were saying before, that Western bias towards the data and some of the statistics. So it, it may... You know, we, I think we're looking at it through more of like a, a Western lens um, in terms of the state of the web, aren't we? Um, when, when in reality, um, you know, there, there are other locations and other areas that can potentially come to the mix. But if we're looking here now, basically the top of the top 10,000 visited sites in, in the areas that, you know, the, in the data set and the pool that we can see, um, obviously that there are some fairly well-known names within there. And I don't think that will be any surprise to anyone. I think that... With regards to um, you know the kind of key takeaways for for the different e-commerce platforms, what 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 are the main things that you think people can take away from the report? I think if 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 you are in the uh, enterprise space uh, and you are e-commerce manager looking for an RFP, I think it shows you a kind of a trend uh, where the old old guard likes of HCL Commerce and Oracle Commerce are on decline. Now, as I said, in this report, you can't see headless uh, uh, platform uh, like commerce tools. They don't get feature. So you'll have to rely on Forrester and Gartner kind of report to basically see the trend there. Uh, but it shows that the Salesforce Commerce Cloud is still uh, uh, quite popular. SAP Commerce Cloud is still quite popular. One thing which I can basically uh, advise the e-commerce manager if they're running RFP, then, then you can show these vendors the stats on the core web vitals and, and, and cushion them why some of them are not doing better than the others. Uh, so so that, that's exercise which I did with uh, the recent RFP, which I did. And, and a lot of vendors were not aware of these reports. Uh, but when when we actually showed them, they were quite open and, and uh, went back and showed this to their team and, and tried to make some improvements. Now in the enterprise space, it takes time. So none of the results are reflected. But, but I definitely expect in the future. Whereas it was much easier with the this SMB one, right? So if you are... Uh, in 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 the SMP space, you I think you possibly know already the most popular platform there. But what you can do is uh, we don't have this in the chapter, but in the big query we can put the link in the in the description of the podcast. Uh, you can go and actually try to f- uh, break down the performance of each platform in your own geography. So even though Shopify is the most popular platform, has the most websites in Latin America, but when you break it down by let's say Brazil, uh, the Mercado shops which is a local player there, uh, has the best core web vitals. So if the performance is something you care about, 
then you may want to basically make a choice between Shopify versus Mercado shops in that geography, right? So in certain geography, you will see a particular platform may perform better than the others. So you can use these reports to actually make those decisions uh, uh, if you are if you care about performance enough. Yeah, and I think obviously that a lot of the a lot of the information that we can supply as part of this report as well. If if someone works in e-commerce, you know, the, it essentially even if you're getting a short list of what the platforms are, because sometimes, uh, you know, we get that as an agency, people will contact us because they don't work necessarily in the industry day in, day out. It may have been five, six years since they replatformed and actually took a state of play where the market's at. I think something like this report is a good way to just sense check. Like you said, if you can break it down by geographic location, you can take a look at things like core web vitals, which is obviously only going to become more and more of, um, the Google algorithm moving forward uh, in terms of how how it affects you know you know rankings is uh, you know the same as mobile signals is is now fully like the the leader really you know in terms of the the signals and, and the the trends with what Google is saying I think you know site speed will will continue to have that kind of big impact as well so um, I think one one thing obviously that's that's impacted the every single industry globally. Um, unfortunately is uh the the kind of impact of COVID-19 throughout the you know the kind of pandemic um what are the what are the key areas or the uh, kind of key things that that the report touches on with regards to the impact of COVID-19 yeah sure um we looked at that last year and and this year so see last year when we did the report kind of similar sort of summer um cruel data um you know the impact was only kind of just starting to be seen um now we can kind of see kind of what happened in 2020 and, and what's ha- what's happened um, for the most part in 2021 uh, going up to this summer um and the the most notable changes are with WooCommerce and Shopify who saw um, kind of measurable jumps in, in, in kind of platform adoption, um, particularly around sort of Q2 of, of 2020, kind of right where businesses were having to adapt because of kind of the various local lockdowns and restrictions. So um, clearly that's that's very interesting. Um, um, and given like kind of all of what Rocky was sort of describing in terms of the, the most popular platforms, it, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, it's quite easy to... to to understand why that would be, um, being platforms that, you know, while one being kind of something that is self-hosted and one that is, is SaaS, both offer kind of very low barrier to entry, um, kind of really strong, like ecosystems of, of themes and apps that enable kind of businesses to adapt, um, many, many times without kind of much in the way of kind of a web development team. Um, and so they were able to kind of go through this, uh, dare I say like digital transformation, um, when it, even if it's like restaurants, um, adding, uh, gift certificates and, uh, and building out an e-commerce portion to, to their, to their website. Um, so that's kind of how we, I, I certainly, and it's kind of the easiest way to, to read into, into that data. Um, but it wasn't seen kind of across the board. I think it's, it's fair to say those were the platforms that saw um, kind of the most notable growth. You, you, know, you didn't you didn't see the same thing on, on Magento, for instance. Um, I think second to that, it, it does seem to be relatively kind of localized in terms of those jumps, in terms of the different months where we saw kind of sizable growth. It was around that period where we might see in, you know, one or two sizable jumps in, in a, uh, e-commerce adoption. Um, but overall, like, or if, particularly if you look into the data for this year, 2021, the kind of rate of growth of WooCommerce and Shopify in, partic- in particular kind of has kind of returned to uh, previous levels as, as, as far as we can kind of tell and for, as far as my reading of the data. So it seems like there was a, an initial jump, um, uh, an increase in, in people moving to those platforms. Um, but si- since then, it is kind of, kind of, kind of, as I say, gone back to the sort of same, still growing, but at a similar rate to, say, 2019. Um it's kind of what I've seen so far. So it seems like those tools are kind of great for, as from their low barrier to entry, um, just kind of getting just enough e-commerce functionality um, to, to kind of keep their businesses running, I guess, is probably what the priority was at the time. Yeah. And if I can add to what Tom said, actually, in terms of, I think we saw, if I remember from last year's chapter, we saw a jump in the June 2020 uh, 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 in the Shopify adoption and WooCommerce adoption. Now that can happen uh, based on the timing of the lockdowns happening at that particular time. And, and remember this data, what we have in the monthly crawl, uh, typically a couple of months late. Uh, and 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 uh, because of the monthly crawl and 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 by the time somebody puts a Shopify store, it needs to get get some traffic. It needs to cross certain sort of traffic threshold. So I don't expect that suddenly, let's say, a lot of people started their Shopify shops. The next month they'll become part of the uh, this particular report. No. Uh, whereas what will happening is 
there'll be it possibly bumped some merchants who didn't have the enough traffic but because of the covid they had now more traffic and now they crossed the threshold of the crux so now they became part of the data set right so it's it's always lagging uh, uh, indicator there but and, and that's why you will see uh, the timing of of couple of months of delay uh, whenever it started, something like this happen a black swan event typically it will reflect two or three months down the line in in the data I think a lot obviously these different businesses have been packed in in lots of different ways some people have to create the first ever website to trade online um you know to generate income because they can't get footfall through the stores or or the physical environment um a lot of other people will have had maybe like a wordpress like a brochure site which is more like how to get to our store or location and services that are offered and maybe what they've done there is used the wordpress um woocommerce plugin to just plug in the site and just to get kind of get kind of kicked off in terms of starting up I, I think you know both are decent options for you know for any startup business out there that is being affected by covid-19 i can certainly see the appeal for something like shopify because you don't need to worry about hosting or you know a, a lot you don't have to worry about a lot of things really you can get up and running install a theme and, and get going and, and it is the same with with woocommerce and wordpress um but obviously you're going to get limited functionality maybe with with wordpress and woocommerce versus something like shopify but um obviously unfortunately this is, this has been the case but i think that the byproduct of the pandemic is that you know the the size and scale of the e-commerce um industry just keeps continuing to grow um obviously it'd be interesting to see what happens now moving forward um at the end of 2021 going into 22 um and then it'd be interesting to see that data again you know in the next report uh, you know further down the line where you've got another 6 12 months worth of data to analyze um but yeah i think obviously um the impacts of covid-19 is 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 a global impact so it's interesting to see this this kind of come up in the report another massive talking point of 20 well 2020 and 29 uh, 21 is website speed and and really you know performance overall so Uh, there is a section in the report about lighthouse scores which i thought was fascinating to see kind of um, benchmarking on that side of things because i know it's something that is commonly brought up in the in the clients that i speak to anyway client meetings that i'm involved in uh, do you want to give us a quick overview tom about the lighthouse scores yeah so once we kind of had a feel for the e-commerce platforms that are at play we wanted to dig into you know how was the site built um and we can look into things like page requests as well and uh, how much javascript and how much uh, how many images are on the site um but one of the first tools we wanted to look at was was lighthouse which many people will be familiar with of having run kind of lighthouse tests um on their own sites um and it gives you a high level um kind of indication of how it is performing from uh, multiple categories so we have performance accessibility pwa seo and best practices um and i'm sure many of you will be familiar but you get a, a score out of 100 and um so we were looking at that and again from a mobile perspective um certain categories typically like on average e-commerce sites perform very kind of reasonably well on so accessibility 83 out of 100 seo 90 out of 100 and best practices appreciate is quite generic but 73 out of 100 so um while there's room for improvement in those um those are all important areas and it's good to see kind of them uh kind of be scored well and uh, on average as i say there's going to be people that score higher and, and lower um uh, but that's the, the the median score um but i guess more noticeably um pwa does not seem to be sort of a priority i guess is one way of reading into the fact that they own um the median site gets 42 um out of 100 so it's not not an area that has been prioritized um and then performance being the the final category which is kind of most noticeable and will lead us on to kind of diving deeper into that area which uh, was 22 was the average score in that space so clearly like very poor i mean i guess there's t- at least two ways of reading that it's either not a priority um or it's very hard to score well on um uh, so i don't believe it's not a priority but i also, i can i can appreciate that it's it's hard to score well on um or it is hard to prioritize even if you know it's a priority so that was that was very noticeable um, to me um i was surprised to see kind of uh, other categories um from a lighthouse result which i appreciate is a, a, labor- a laboratory test it's not um kind of what a site might feel like um out in the out in the real world as it were free running wild um but it was kind of mo- most noticeable um and kind of meant that we wanted to look further into uh, core web vitals um i think 
just to kind of uh, my, my final point of that, that space, although I'm sure we'll come back to it with um, uh, Core Web Vitals, is is how difficult it is to, to score well. I kind of really want to add the appreciation for e-commerce managers out there that, you know, every year they are set like a goal to increase revenue um, by, you know, so many percent. Um, and while everybody's had the statistics about how, you know, improving site speed kind of increases conversion rate, like that's that's not going to get you the revenue growth that you need each year so they have to look elsewhere they have to look at um you know the entire customer experience and a lot of, a lot of that is the user experience on the site which typically is going to mean kind of more features or kind of a, a redesign um and so how do you add features to a site without kind of impacting the site speed you know it's, it's almost almost impossible um and so you know we've 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 seen this ourselves um kind of having been in the industry for for many years uh, performance is an emergent property of the system it's not something you can quick fix it's not something you can just go oh we'll just spend this week on improving the site speed and then come back to it next year um it's it's something that has to be part of the the conversation um kind of as part of every feature launch um and i did want to call out quickly i know that um vervant um, posted a, a really good article on creating a, a performance culture within an e-commerce team and um, within your kind of team of partners as well whether it be your agency um, and other third parties you work with um so i can share that in the in the show notes as well um because it's going to be incredibly important for changing this kind of e-commerce is again that's my highlight of the the entire almanac really is that e-commerce sites perform really really poorly um and i think it's the nature of the beast uh, and, and it's, it's something that we have to have to fix i've uh, when i was taking a look at the report and i was looking at the median lighthouse performance scores uh, you know from a speed perspective um I found it fascinating that um, Shopify, Wix, e-commerce, and big commerce actually score higher than the average, um, you know, f- across across there. Um, it's something that is labeled as obviously a SaaS proposition, um, and and a lot of people kind of, you know, may or may not actually know, uh, you know, so, uh, software as a service or, or SaaS in, in the abbreviated version, the, you know, the, the benefit of that. But what you can see there is that if you are looking across the board and, you know, site speed is 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 important to you. It's good that SaaS can give you a base, but I think it's also important to know that it's only a base. Like it, it, it doesn't mean to say that necessarily that you can't build a, you know, a fast store on other platforms. Um, it's just that I think that was um, one stat that just kind of stood out to me is that Shopify was averaging uh, 27, uh, Wix e-commerce was averaging 27, and then big commerce was averaging 25. Um, now, if the average across the whole industry is around 22, which let's be honest is still too low, uh, you know, as a, as a median benchmark, um, it's good to know that if you know if you are looking at a SaaS proposition for your business, you know, you can you can potentially get faster than that as well. So, yeah, and Paul, if um, I can add to that, right? I think the SaaS uh, uh, SaaS helps. But SaaS uh, is not the only thing. If you take an example of Salesforce Commerce Cloud, which plays in the enterprise space, uh, the scores are low. Uh, the, because there may be other challenges there. It's a SaaS, but the, the size of the team, the complexity of the organization, the prioritization, all these kind of challenges which are in a typical organization may play a role and uh, have a less focus on performance. So there are other SaaS platforms which have lower score, but they just tend to play in a different space. Now, currently there is... No way for us to differentiate Shopify and Shopify Plus. Uh, there is no easy way to differentiate. But if there was one, then I would like to see the performance of Shopify, Lighthouse score of Shopify Plus site and Shopify site and see if that same organization challenges uh, are present in the Shopify Plus sites. Yeah, I agree with that. And again, um, just because you've got a Shopify, um, you know, almost badge so to speak you know it, it just just say for example if, if that's if that's the platform of choice it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be fast and that it's going to be compliant with kind of um you know core web vitals or, or everything else because you know if, if you if you're a startup business and, and you're buying a theme off the shelf and you're wondering why you know you might not be hitting those scores or your performance scores might be low well it's probably it's not actually the platform or the server infrastructure it's actually more about the front end or the code base or the theme that you're working with so um that there are certainly layers to that and levels to to what you need to look at to try and improve these scores but also i think what this should do is hopefully is 
is give some of those e-commerce managers or, or digital marketing managers out there the ammunition to say, look, it's not just us, uh, you know, for those CEOs that want the score of 100 out of 100, because, um, you know, most ambitious CEOs want the best possible score and best possible outcome for their business. You know, at least it tells you that, you know, there are 8 million other sites here that are across various different platforms and the average is still only 22 from a performance perspective. So yeah, um, still, I think there's a long way to go in the industry with regards to getting, you know, consistent scores above even even 50, 60, you know, uh, across the board. So yeah, and since you mentioned Shopify, Paul, I think it's worth calling out that the Shopify being one of the biggest platform, right, and have a robust app ecosystem, they, they actually recently announced some changes which will help uh, with these scores overall. So I, if I, I don't remember the exact threshold, but recently they announced that everybody who is submitting a new theme to Shopify needs to meet certain Lighthouse score, certain accessibility score, and otherwise they will reject the theme. Uh, so I think they definitely have this new criteria for theme. I'm not sure, sure if they have the same for the apps, uh, but if Shopify becomes that, uh, like a quality control, the the that, that policeman which basically uh, checks for this, right? Then the all the merchants will automatically get benefit of that. Uh, so that's something I think will be good to see next year. These changes only came earlier this year. So I don't believe when we wrote this chapter and we looked at the data, these were enforced. But definitely be interesting to see if Shopify scores continue to get better uh, in the next year's edition. Yeah, I, I know there are obviously... Um... A lot of people in the industry are working on different solutions for this. We've previously done episodes on Hoover, for example, uh, in the Magento community. Um, obviously, big commerce are constantly building on their platform and, and trying to improve the performance of their platform. So I think as this as this report comes around again um, in the future with that updated data, I, I, you know, I would hope to see um, some improvements there. If we're going to – let's dig into uh, performance and core web vitals a little bit because – you know, these these acronyms that didn't mean anything 12 months ago or 18 months ago, but now everyone knows that LCP is the place to be, Tom. Why don't you talk to us about some of the new things that have come into the market? Yeah, see, I think, you, as you said, these acronyms, everybody is familiar, and, and I'm assuming the audience is familiar here. Uh, so we know there are three core web vitals, FID, CLS, and LCP. I'll pick these in no particular order. Uh, so there has been, let's talk about the FID first. So FID, there have been... A lot of people are not convinced this is the right metric uh, because this is too easy to actually meet and most of the website actually meet this uh, uh, without doing anything. Uh, so a lot of people are not convinced what is the purpose of this if everybody meets this anyway, right? So Google is currently, as, as I understand, is working on re revising this and they will have uh, uh, either a different threshold or different way to measure this. And those changes are typically announced in, in May Chrome Dev Summit, right? So I think uh, even in the next year chapter, I don't expect uh, new metric to appear. We possibly be talking FID in the next edition also. But if you assume the FID is a metric, which is part of the core web vital, and we need to care about it because now it's a SEO signal. And uh, I think that the, the clarification which, which I've seen from Google is that if, if Google is going to give you any weightage in the SEO for the core web vitals, that particular UR need to pass threshold for all three core web vitals. So if it passes the threshold for only two core web vitals and not the third one, then you do not have the benefit, right? So, so it, it basically makes that you have to work on all three. You can't just say I work on all two and third one I'm going to ignore because of whatever restriction. That's not how it works, right? So... Uh, FID, most of the sites were, were, were actually meeting this, but they were clearly, if you can see, uh, uh, I think the, the two key call out were in the data were VIX, which is a significant platform and it is in the top 10. Only 40% of the origins uh, um, met the FID threshold on VIX platform in July 2020, last year, basically, right? And VIX team, and they have been very vocal about it. Uh, on they, they they put this every month. They look at this report every month on and publish on Twitter. Uh, they are now ninety per ninety two percent of the VIX sites actually now pass the FID threshold. So within twelve months, they move from forty percent to the ninety two percent, which is a big win for everybody on on that ecosystem. And any 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 VIX merchant didn't even have to change a single line of code. So it was done all at the platform level uh, because VIX started to focus on this core web vital, right? So that's something I'm very well aware of it. Even uh, I was going through the, the last uh, quarterly result from, from VIX, 
their public companies uh, and and in their quarter result actually they had a screenshot of core web vitals report talking about core web vital to their investors which i've never seen happening so core web vitals have be- become part of the quarterly reports of of these e-commerce companies the other one which which we saw the big improvement was loha integrada which is the latin american platform they went up from 73% to 93% and 93% may look high but most of the e-commerce platform are actually 94 95 96% there right so uh, and if you are below 90 then you are actually lagging compared to other and and there were wix and loha integrada in the top 10 were lagging and they have now caught up so everybody in top 10 e-commerce platforms now meets the fid threshold which is the easiest one to meet uh, but in future it may change okay. and for something like first input delay that's that kind of not beholden to the platform that you select but it's going to like from an agency perspective or a client perspective uh, like fid is 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 one of those scores that you know you know a lot of it is handled either server side or platform side so there's not a huge amount that you can do to influence that am i right in saying that rocky or am i wrong not necessarily there can be a third party script which may be causing it uh, uh, right so, so it can be a third party also it can be in your google tag manager it can be uh, because of those reason also but in case of uh, wix and loha integrada the base on a number uh, because it's improved so drastically you would assume it was a platform level Okay. Yeah, that, I, I kind of have never had it as being one of the challenges. I think you know some of the other ones that we're going to talk about now. If we can move on to uh, cumulative layout shift or CLS, yeah, no, so it's mainly that and LCP where you're seeing you know some of the challenges with with the clients that I've been involved in anyway. Yeah, so let's let's move to CLS, right? Now CLS. Uh, before going there, I think just people who are following uh, this this development, CLS definition was change. Uh, earlier this year, uh, because bef- earlier definition was penalizing the single page applications, and and it was not a fair game. So the Google came up with a different definition, which now uh, for SPAs uh, looks at the cumulative layer shift a little bit differently, okay? and not going into definition and 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 the, what the differences were. So a lot of websites uh, or the platforms, especially in enterprise space, uh, because that they tend to have more SPAs. Uh, or the uh so a big jump when the change was made i believe the change was made in march or april this year can't remember the exact timeline but a lot of sites saw the cls improved because of that change okay but, but at the same time there were sites who were working on the cls uh, there's a lot of now body of knowledge being published uh what are the e-commerce patterns you should adopt uh to uh, not cause cls uh, now it can be because of variety of reason for example most of the e-commerce platform uh, most of the e-commerce website have a review implementation with the bazaar voice or power reviews or whatever the third party provider is and it reviews are loaded using a javascript and uh, by the time the javascript response doesn't come you do not know that two reviews or three reviews or five reviews right so you do not know how much space to keep for it and typically after reviews you will showing recommendation so the recommendation will push down if there are five reviews and you only have a space for three reviews So now there are a lot of body of knowledge being published I believe there is a um, uh, uh, page on web.dev which talks about the uh, the web patterns to not cause CLS uh, so now all of this uh, knowledge is being published the best practices are being come third parties are are now more aware and and they are building in such a way where the CLS is not an issue so all of this together we are seeing a CLS score with along with the definition change in earlier this year has resulted in a improvement in the CLS scores Now, key callout there, where we saw the biggest improvement, was the Wix and a Squarespace, in terms of the uh, percentage improvement uh, uh, from last year to this year. So, I believe the uh, Wix and Squarespace saw the biggest improvement. Uh, Magento site seems to be struggling still. Uh, uh, most, almost every platform saw the CLS improving, except Magento. So Magento has remained in thirty-five, thirty-six percent origin passing CLS uh, last year and this year. So they have not seen improvement, whereas everybody else has seen the improvement. And especially the SPA-based site have seen a lot of improvement uh, without doing anything. Do you think that's what do you th- what would you put that down to in terms of? Do you think a lot of people? Um, Focusing on mobile, um, rebuilding, redesigning, making bigger and better. Um, you know, is, is, are there any are there any kind of higher level um, reasons why you think, like generally speaking, the market might be moving that way? 
I think we, I think from everybody's personal experience, we know that the CLS is an issue, right? The things moving, ads, and all of that, right? But earlier, there was no way to fix this thing. There was no way to measure it. Overall awareness uh, among the developers, among the designers now, I'm seeing now the product teams and the design teams having a discussion and basically say, oh, if the designer comes with something funky, which calls CLS, the product actually pushes back on it, right? So those discussions start to happen now. And, and by the time a design goes to developer, uh, those, those things have been considered. So it's not like a developer gets a design and just builds it and then, oh, we will figure out CLS later, right? So uh, those discussions are happening a little bit earlier now. Third parties are paying more and more attention now uh, and not building in such a way where it causes CLS. So all, and, and, and effort from Google by publishing these this patterns, a lot of e-commerce websites struggle with CLS on uh, infinite scroll. Uh, so the infinite scroll best practices were published by Google. Uh, I, my personal experience is uh, the recommendation popping up on 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 the dynamically on on different slots, different pages, cause issues, reviews, implementations. Uh, but as and when the one side does that right, and then other copy it. It's just a pattern when somebody has figured out, then other will copy it. After a few months, few years, it becomes a best practice. So I think that churn is happening. Um, and 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 this is all good for for everybody, right? So, uh, I believe uh, the combination of factors is driving that CLS improvement. And and in the long run, we will not see this jumpy website, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, everyone wins, but the designers trying to change things, right? So this is where the developers can actually say, "I've got a metric now that I can measure against," and then stop making fancy designs that jump around. Um, yeah, sorry, UX designers out there. Um, so so you've got largest content full paint as well. That's that. That one for me is one of the ones that a lot of people a lot of people focus on. What what have we found around LCP? Uh, LCP, my personal experience is the hardest to actually improve uh, because uh, you the level of I think the the optimization you need to do is uh, is is a little bit more involved. You typically have to change things a server side. If you're in SPA world, you have to look at techniques like hydration. Uh, to actually uh, uh, give the res- response from server p- pretty quickly, you may have to look at some advanced techniques like preload. Preloads is is a complex technique, and I believe in Chrome ninety six uh, uh, there is a new thing called priority hints, which is being introduced and currently is an origin trial. I believe it will become stable in Chrome ninety nine, and once that come, developers will have a easy way if they understand the concept of priority hints. They may have an easy way to improve LCP. Uh, so LCP, I think it's 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 a little bit more complex uh, to to uh, improve, but we still have seen improvement, right? Uh, so if you see the on the LCP, Shopify and Wix have seen the most improvement actually in terms of percentage gain from last year to this year. The Shopify went from uh, the number of origin passing the LCP threshold from Shopify went from fifty eight percent to seventy three percent, which is a fifteen percentage point uh, uh, improvement. And and remember, when Shopify improves, it covers those 1.7 million websites, right? It's a big part of the web now. Um, and Wix improved from 21% to 32%, so 11 percentage point increase there. So the most of the improvements, I think, if this big platform, which is in the top 10, if they can improve this at a platform level, then the most of the gain is going to come from there. In the in the enterprise space, yeah, the, I think the team will have to. Uh, look at some advanced techniques because those enterprise sites can be more complex, can can have a lot of dead weight uh, for because of number of years uh, they have been running on, and and it's very hard to for the team to find time to reduce the tentate, right? It keep building, building and building and and then getting heavy unless suddenly one fine day you say I'm replatforming, right? Uh, that's how the enterprise space works. So LCP, I, I'm quite optimistic about this Chrome 99 change is coming. And see how much that helps. There are uh, some early sign that is it will help, and hopefully developers can make use of it. Uh, otherwise, the most of the change possibly are going to go from the platform level. As far as page anatomy, what are the what are the biggest changes that we're seeing there? You know, in terms of what's what's happening in in the market for you know from the report and the findings from the report. Tom, you want to talk about it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think this gets kind of very much like specific in terms of how things are built, how many requests are made on on each page load, what's the page weight, um, what are the requests made up of? Is it is it images? Is it video? Is it scripts? Um, and I think 
like to to summarize what it, what you see is that over 70 percent of the requests that are made are for for images and scripts um partly you can understand that as the home page which is always going to be um image heavy um scripts i think is important to to recognize as most of the kind of integrations now for those tech partners that you might be um, adding to kind of improve your customer experience, particularly on SaaS platforms, but on, on all platforms, um, JavaScript integration is is the most common. So um, there is also a section of the port where we look at specifically third-party um, JavaScript as well and third-party um, requests. And you can see that's a significant part of it. Um, um, from a page weight perspective, um, I think images is still larger video being sort of obviously if you've got video on the site that's going to be kind of the largest contributor to page weight um images is the second largest and then and then it's scripts but obviously scripts is really going to be what's affecting kind of all of these other scores it's really what's going to be kind of slowing down um the 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 site speed so kind of that's kind of what we could we could take away um some some positive news is that um the amount of page weight made up of images um is smaller this year than it was before and kind of the hunch for why that might be is because of increase in adoption of um the lazy loading um attribute um so you know while we mentioned these sort of new technologies while it might feel like sort of performance tuning and tweaking um it can it can have a big impact um if implemented by the platform and i think that's probably my my key takeaway from all of this performance analysis is yes there's it's important what the agency does um, and what kind of what you do in terms of what you add to google tag manager what images you upload to your cms and what size they are and if are they optimized um but it, it can't go un, unsaid, like the responsibility that the the platform has, particularly like, you know, it's, it's great that, you know, one of the benefits of SaaS platforms is that they can do the research, have all the information of all of their customers because they host them all um, and then roll out a change without any customer having to worry about it. Whereas um, platforms that do kind of code releases that people have to then manually do an update process, any improvement is great, but it's going to be kind of, it's going to have a staggered effect as people kind of slowly upgrade. And so... I think SaaS platforms, they can kind of optimize their infrastructure. So we can we know that they can then improve the time to first byte, which is going to help um, uh, these scores. Um, they also can invest in their, their default themes because ultimately kind of, a good proportion of their customer base are going to either be using kind of one of the the, the default theme or one of the most popular themes on the marketplace um, and making tweaks, tweaks to it. So the the better a foundation that is um, and a better set of tools that it equips developers um, and e-commerce managers with, um, it really sets like, you know, the, you know, the starting, it's the starting point for all of these scores. Um, and so I think that's where platforms really need to, to look into this. I know obviously that they are doing uh, and it's on, on their roadmap. Um, so, I think that's incredibly important. And then I think the final area where I think Rocky's already kind of alluded to in what Shopify are, are doing um, is then setting the standards on, ev- on everyone else as well, which I can appreciate will be will be painful. Um, but any theme that is added to kind of a marketplace, whether it be Shopify or Magento or BigCommerce or any any platform, any theme or app, like it's there's a duty to the kind of the wider ecosystem that they are, they are vetted um, uh, and for performance, not just kind of function functionality um, to ensure that, because it's just so hard to, to track, you know, what, what contributes to it um, and, and hard for e-commerce managers to, to know. Um, so part of their responsibility is going to be to, to track performance on a regular basis. So they can, so you have any hope of, uh, of spotting when something you, know, you, you did this week or the team have done this week has, has impacted on it. Because like I said, um, kind of right at the beginning, there isn't going to be a quick fix. It's not like, oh, we found the problem and we fixed it. Um, it's going to be um, a, a wide array of things that are contributing to it. So being having that firm, like a great foundation that the platform and the ecosystem provides, um, and then you kind of just make some, a few small changes on top and you can spot them when they've, they've had an impact. It's kind of where I've kind of, where I, the position I've got to um, after spending kind of the time in, in the data looking looking at this um, and how important it is to, to have something that is tracking tracking your performance over time. Yeah, and if I can add on the page weight side, right, the, the couple more points, which we didn't cover, cover in the e-commerce chapter, but it's in the media chapter, which was recently published, right? The, in the media chapter, we saw that the, this year, 5% of the websites are using video on their homepage. Uh, this number was just 1% last year. So it went from 1% to 5% people using videos on the homepage, which will typically mean that the page will become more heavier. And there's a general trend we have seen anyways, 
page with every passing year the page becomes more heavier and heavier because of the third parties apps what not right that's a general trend this is the f- first year where we saw that the page weights have not increased and remain kind of in the same range and this the thing which tom talked about the native lazy lo- lazy loading which which i believe came in july 2020 in chrome and in the last one year we have seen 18% of the sites using the native lazy loading now this is total size not the e-commerce site but you would you would assume that a lot of e-commerce sites are doing that as well right so with that what is happening is that the the sites are becoming heavier because we are adding videos we are possibly adding images and on the e-commerce we have things like infinite scrolls we have like on a listing pages now people want to show the the alternate images in a slider which means now rather than one image you're loading five images right so it becomes pages become more richer and richer but at the same time now since the browser is gives you things like lazy loading or uh, using the intersection observer now the developers have this advanced technique where they can only load things on demand when a, when a, when a customer is trying to hover over a particular image and things like that right now that means that all of this on demand loading or the native loading which is happening sorry the lazy loading which is happening is not being counted towards the page weight this is more dynamic we are not consuming resources to load everything in one go right and i expect it to even increase further uh, so what 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 tom was talking about the platform making a changes in the, in the case of lazy loading that platform is actually not the saas e-commerce platform but the like like of your chrome because the na- native lazy loading was a chrome feature but safari didn't have it so if the developers are implementing they have to put different logic for chrome and safari but i believe now safari is going to support the native lazy loading also so that 18% can shoot up to 40 50% very quickly and which will mean that the we will see page median page weights going down further the overall performance improving and and that happen typically when google releases something the other browsers will have to read the same thing and developer needs to have a baseline and developers needs to an easy way to implement it and and the users of libraries like lazy sizes which is a very popular library to do lazy loading will will reduce uh with the time uh we we were not tracking the use of lazy sizes but i think we've started track now and 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 hopefully in the next year chapter we can look at it that the lazy sizes users are going down and the lazy loading size the native lazy loading uh, user going up so i think that's what possibly is going on here and also i think on on the video uh, now we don't know that the, these 5% videos are actually the videos or something else is going on at this stage one of my hunches that the uh, one of the recommendation which lighthouse gives is it it recommends that you should not use the gif images right because those are heavy and uh, for animation it says you should convert your gif to video the lightweight videos so on the e-commerce maybe a lot of sites are now adopting that recommendation and converting their gifs to lightweight videos uh, and we saw the uses of gif uh, reduce from 17% to 14% compared to this year versus uh, last year versus this year so 3% drop in gif uses uh, and 4% up uh, uh, increase in the video uses so there may be something going on there gifs are reducing uh the videos are increasing and the native native lazy loading income in place and the page weight remains static so combination of these factor basically in in play there and hopefully this trend will become clearer uh with the more data so we've we've obviously covered a lot of ground on this podcast in terms of um like the content from the report and to be fair there's a lot more detail um you know graphs and data and things that you can lift and, and maybe share with your own team and and you know your business or or your industry um but it like kind of key takeaways and summary points that we wanted to put across and make sure that you know that that we do kind of reinforce are that you know 20% of the mobile web data that we can see here is is roughly e-commerce so 20% of the web that we're tracking as part of this report is e-commerce woocommerce and shopify are definitely the most popular um e-commerce platforms due to the low barrier uh, of entry But if you're looking at the top 100,000 sites uh, or the most popular or the most visited sites, Magento, Shopify and Salesforce are actually the you know the the kind of top 3 in in that instance. So, you know, that although you know we the data I'm sure it will be interesting to see how the data progresses over time, there are still some familiar names at at the top of the list. With regards to core web vitals, I think it's safe to say that in the e-commerce industry, you know, just across the board, it's not the the you know the scores aren't where they need to be across the board. So, I think that that um you know there's only really a small improvement you know an average of maybe 10 to 20% of core web vitals year on year based on the reporting data that we've seen 
So if you, uh, you know, obviously if you can get good scores in there, it means that you, you're not only ahead of people in your industry, but ahead of, you know, other people, uh, you know, across the web in, in, in various different countries, locations and, and different platforms. So um, I certainly think that, you know, those kind of key takeouts and the fact that you've got um, sites like Shopware and, and Shopify that are performing well from a core web vitals perspective, um, you know, it might, that might make your mind up if you're still on an old or a legacy platform or if you're looking to move in the future, it might be something that you can see an indication that they're clearly invested in in that area if that's important to you as, as a business. So, um, look, there's lots more here to digest and, and to be honest with you, we could probably do another two hours on on this entire report, but um, we'll we'll kind of um, summarise it there. If you want to find the report, just Google Almanic the state of the web um, and then that should um, state of e-commerce sorry that should actually give you you know the the report itself um, thanks again Tom uh, for your time um, and obviously you, you've authored this report so um, congrats on that kind of milestone I know that's would have been a fairly um, sizable piece of work to produce the report um, and Rocky thank you very much for joining us and um, you know for anybody that's listening to you for the first time, might want to get in touch with you. Um, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Uh, best best way to get in touch with me is Twitter. So my Twitter handle is R N E B H W A N I. I think we can put the link in the in the description. Uh, yes. Yeah, my DMs are open. So if you have any anything with respect to performance or e-commerce in general, feel free to nudge me there. And Tom, uh, you did really good job this year with very little help on on this report. Uh, uh, this is a great community, guys. Uh, if anybody wants to get involved, we always take volunteers, like the Tom volunteer this year. I volunteered uh, the last year. So if anybody wants to volunteer as a author, reviewer, analyst, uh, the details are on the website, and, and feel free to uh, reach. Yeah, I agreed with that. Yeah, thanks a lot for your, for your kind comments, but I agree. Um, very happy if you got, if you're interested in doing it next year. I'm happy to to support anyone that wants to get in touch. Cool. Well, um, all that left, all that's left to say now is, you know, thanks for listening. Subscribe to the podcast. Make sure you share it with anybody who you think it might be interested in this industry. And we hope to see you on the next episode. You've been listening to Spacebar, a podcast brought to you by Space48. We're a UK leading CX and e-commerce platform specialist. If e-commerce content's your thing, then please be sure to subscribe to hear more. Do you like what you've heard or is there room for improvement? Please leave us a review and let us know what you think. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you on the next episode.